I'm Alvian Lyons. And I'm Doug Weiss. And welcome to Love Life. So Douglas, we have another topic connected to something that our audience is very uh, interested in. Because fundamental to all of us is relationship and connection. But whenever you're doing that, there comes some realities of the tough things that can take place. And one of those tough things happens to be infidelity. So the question that was posed to us this week is, can love survive infidelity? So tell us, what do you think, Douglas? Can it? Wow. Well, yes, it can. Uh, and I, I want to kind of slightly rephrase this, if, if that's okay. Sure. Not so much can love um, survive infidelity, but can a relationship mm-hmm. survive infidelity? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it can, uh, but it takes extraordinary people um, uh, to make that possible. Because what's happened in the case of infidelity is the violation of, of one of the most fundamental things in human life that um, is the subject of trust. Absolutely. When our trust is violated, and this be, this is something we learn in infancy, uh, we learn about trust. Trust is a basic condition of every relationship. Without trust, there is no relationship. When our expectations uh, of trust are violated, it takes enormous effort to rebuild them. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you a quick story. I have a friend who, uh, in the nature of his position, unfortunately, um, has on a number of occasions um, people with whom he worked. Um, He's an attractive guy and his position of significant authority and responsibility and means. And... um, uh, he's uh, on a number of occasions. Women have, I don't know, what's the, the I don't want to say made a pass. It <laughs> probably sounds old fashioned, but made it very clear to him mm-hmm. that um, they found him desirable. And and uh, on one occasion, he was tempted. Nothing happened, hmm. and he did what he thought was the right thing. He came home from a business trip. And told his wife. And told her that nothing had happened, but that there had been this interchange. And he was feeling bad about it. And he said, did you think I did the right thing? And you know, my first reaction was, I'm not, you know, I, I admire uh, your honesty. I'm not sure I would have brought this up in this particular case <laughs> because nothing did happen. But that was your call. But what I found so disturbing, and I think it really goes to the heart of this um, topic, was that it's become a, a weapon in the mm. relationship that, uh, in this case, the wife wields anytime things are not going well. Mm. You remember that time, mm. and that is carried around in her gunny sack. You know, she's got that, and she trots it out at times. I don't know this for sure, but I, I got to believe, um, in, in fact, I, I sort of know that there were I- instances in her life before they were a dedicated couple where things happened 
that could have been construed in much the same way when they were just dating. And, and you know, I, I find this business of carrying around this, uh, this, uh, this weapon, if you will, to be trotted out on occasions when instead of having a meaningful conversation with each other, but using this as a way to, to shut down the conversation, the dialogue, mm-hmm. we could have it. We should probably talk about that in some future show. Indeed. But it goes to the heart of the matter. I'm not again, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on her or forgive him. Um, or suggest that he did the right or the wrong thing here. What I am saying is it points out how fundamental this issue is on the subject of trust. And once, even in, in, this, in this degree, someone has reason to fear that their trust has been violated, it becomes a refrain, a kind of backdrop to the relationship that's very hard to get um, uh, past. Hmm. I always find this conversation so interesting when, when it comes up. And, and I have admitted before publicly that I maybe am not your typical air quote girl when it comes to these issues. Because I, I, I tend to lean towards most males' perspectives on these particular issues. And that is to say that The emotion that is associated with um, the possibility of infidelity, I don't experience. Like, as in, I don't, I'm not phased by that. I'm not bothered by the fact that my husband is a beautiful man. I expect other women to think so, too. Quite frankly, I'm insulted if you... (laughs) If you don't find him as hot as I find him. I think he's amazing. And... I would imagine that other women would appreciate that also. I don't even mind that he flirts. I don't think that there's, for me, and maybe it's a generational personal thing, I don't mind the flirtation either, as long as we both have a line that we mutually agree upon that is not crossed because we love each other too much to create intentional hurt for one another. So being friendly and I'm, you know, I'm in the business of people all day long. I'm with men all day long, beautiful, intelligent, capable men. And he's not phased by that. But I think that on some level goes back to what Douglas said in our previous show in terms of if the conditions aren't there for the infidelity, for the cheating, for the violation, people tend not to be walking on eggshells in the relationship anyway. So we're not worried about the other person doing something to hurt you. And that trust factor that he also referenced previously, when you're really friends inside of a relationship, you talk about things before they become things. You deal with them at the seed level so that you don't have to deal with them at the tree level. And when people don't address it at the seed level, the violation often comes from the fact that you never told me that you were struggling with these issues or that you needed more of my attention or my time or my affection or whatever that is. And you let it turn into a tree for it to fall on me. And then I'm unexpectedly hurt by the decision that you might have made in allowing something to go too far or actually going too far. Now, can a relationship survive those experiences? 
I agree with Douglas. Yes, it can. But there's a difference between surviving a situation in which your partner cheated versus surviving being in a relationship with a cheater. Mm -hmm. One is a singular experience, bad decision we can learn from and move past. The other is a character issue. If I am a cheater, this is how, this is my chemistry. This is how I'm wired. I fulfill my needs with total and utter disregard for the pain that it creates for somebody else. I am, I am so self-absorbed in my needs that I am not thoughtful about the other person and what this may mean for them. So I think that there is a significant difference between those two in terms of where we can go after there has been an indiscretion. Right. I think there's a, there's a set of cases, too, um, that I've come across in life where people engage in what I would call revenge infidelity, mm-hmm. where they're punishing uh, the other person in the relationship um, either because they don't feel fulfilled, they don't feel that they're getting what they want out of the relationship, or they're angry at that person for something that they have done, and this is how they're evening up the score. Mm. Let me say, both of those are inexcusable. Absolutely. But, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And realistically, the question is, if there's real remorse, if there's real desire, if there's the, the seed of something that still uh, is at work with these two people that brings them back to each other and they genuinely desire to continue, then it's possible for the relationship to survive, but only under those circumstances. And no one should kid themselves that this is easy. Right. Um, It's going to take enormous forgiveness and it's going to take, again, I go to the spiritual, so it's going to take the kind of forgiveness we ask of God. It's going to take complete absolution, if you will, the, the, the willingness on the part of the, if you will, injured party mm-hmm. to say, there but for the grace of God go I. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are forgiven. It was wrong. I, I'm not tolerant of this, but you are forgiven. Right. I'm not going to hold this up. I'm not going to bring it up to you at every possible moment. It's done. Let's put it past us. And let's talk about what we need to do to rebuild trust, to, to have transparency between us, and most importantly, how we, as you so beautifully put it in our last podcast, how you keep the grass wet, how, you know, how right. you foster the kind of relationship where we're both able to talk openly and honestly with each other about the things that are going on, so that anything that might lead us, whether it's this kind of you know revenge situation or just the the fallowness the dry grass that you alluded to in a relationship um, don't exist so that we mm-hmm. get past those and we and we keep this a fertile relationship i totally i completely agree and we have to as you referenced previously we have to remember that trust is full, is fundamental to vulnerability and vulnerability is fundamental to love and if we cannot trust one another then the next two stages that take us to love are not even possible it is possible to get through difficult things but it requires very strong people who are mutually committed to being better than they were yesterday so if you want to be part of this conversation with us 
If you want to share your stories with us so that we can be part of your life journey, helping you to love life, we would love it if you would reach out to us at Douglas at lovelife.digital. Or Alvian at lovelife.digital. And we want to thank Barbara Ham Lee, our producer, and Todd Washburn, our wonderful engineer, uh, who are part of the Love Life family. And yes, uh, we will be back with you next week with another provocative topic. <laughs> Until then, thanks for listening.